You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Hallelujah. I want to talk today about you and me seeing what's really going on. When we just can't see, sometimes you and I just can't see. Sometimes a lot of people just can't see. What do I mean by that? This is so fundamental. A person of faith will see things that a person who doesn't have a faith doesn't see. Let me use this illustration. If there's a crime scene, the detectives and the analysts will go and examine the crime scene. If I walk by a crime scene, I won't see things, but they will see things I won't see. A tossed away cigarette, a tire mark in the mud. They might find fingerprints, DNA evidence. They can do it, the forensics and the detectives, because their eyes and their ears are trained to see and to examine these things, whereas many of us won't. In the same way, if I can use that analogy, there are things that happen spiritually that a lot of people just don't see. And sometimes as Christians, we don't see them either. So today, I'm all about you and I opening our eyes and seeing what's really going on. This is something that is so fundamental to anybody who has a faith, that we can't just go through life as if it's just the physical things we see, but that we realize there's a lot more going on than we can give credit for. Hallelujah. Because God is at work with a lot more things. So thank you, Ade. I'll just go straight into the PowerPoint now. Let me quote James Joyce. This is a famous Irish writer. Um, it's an interesting thing, if I can just digress. If you look at the Nobel Prizes, there are so many Nobel Prizes won by Irish people for writing books and poetry, but almost none for science. If you want to understand the Irish, that will give you a little bit of an insight into it. One of the many famous Irish writers is a guy called James Joyce. And I remember we had to study the, uh, when I studied English, we had to study the, um, a lot of the famous Irish writers. And I remember one verse I read at the age of 19, and it's from his book, The Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man. And he said, his eyes were dimmed with tears and looking humbly up to heaven, he wept for the innocence he had lost. James Joyce is famous all over the English-speaking world and even across Europe. What do I mean by this? I read this uh, when I was studying and when I was looking at it afterwards, and about a week later, I went to my very first Christian meeting or gathering. And I remember being taken up with this, how when your eyes are full of tears, you really can't see clearly. If you were crying right now, you're not going to pick up on everything that's going on around you. Physically, your eyes are full, but more so emotionally, you're not really receiving what's going on. And I remember reading this, and then I went to my first Christian meeting, and somebody there shared in a house meeting, and they shared about going from darkness into light. And I remember thinking about this James Joyce quote, 
And I remember being quite taken up with the fact that his message was hopeless because he had no hope to give me. He had no solution, only life is a valley of tears. Do you ever hear that expression? I remember even praying in the background I grew up in, and one of the prayers was about the valley of tears that life is. And I understand life can be hard. But you know what? Jesus Christ gives us great hope. Jesus Christ is a healer who will say hallelujah. He is the one who can help us. And to have a faith in Jesus Christ is so different. So I want to move from eyes full of tears where we can't see what's happening to opening our eyes and seeing what God is up to. So what is God up to in your life? What are the events that are going on that you need, as it were, to look at it like a detective or a forensic scientist will look at a crime scene? What are the fingerprints? Where are the tire marks? Is there DNA there? So I'm going to look at five ways. I want to use this tool, as if you will, of why people are blind and don't see, the reasons, so that we can all think about our own lives and maybe apply a few of those things that we learn into our future. So I'm going to look at both believers and non-believers because I think it's very important to understand our journey from the past and understand those who we love and care for who may not have come to a position of faith like many here have. So I'm going to work down from five right up to number one in the terms of how common this is. And I'm doing this based on my own experience as a pastor over decades. It may not be your experience. Some others may have another experience. But this is what I have seen as to what's the most common thing to cause blindness. Just not seeing what's really going on in our lives. Seeing only a shallow surface and knowing no depth about what's going on. So I'm going to come straight in at number five. And this may surprise you. But number five is God himself. In other words, sometimes God causes blindness. And this is not to denigrate the Lord. It's just, it's not as common as some of the others. But it is part of the economy or the experience of anyone on a faith journey. And here is one example of someone who was blind because God caused it. And it's of a man called Saul who hated Christians. He was out to arrest them, which he had the power to do, even imprison them and even kill them. And when he heard there were Christians in the city of Damascus, he left Jerusalem and he was on the road to Damascus. Let's pick up the story. As Saul was on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and a voice and the voice of Jesus said, Saul, Saul, Why are you persecuting me? When Saul got up from the ground, he opened his eyes, but he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind. Then a man called Ananias, a Christian, came and laid hands on him in prayer. Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit, And he could see again. And then after that, he went and he was baptized. Why did God allow Paul to be blind for three days? Why would God do that in anyone's life? To get our attention. 
Saul was so fixed in his purpose in life. The only way God could get through to him was to take his sight away. And when I'm talking about physical sight here, in the Bible, it's always symbolic spiritually. So I'm not here to beat up anyone who is physically blind, okay? If you leave here in a half an hour and you go, do you know that church now, they hate blind people. If you're blind, they look down. No, we're not talking about physical blindness here because in the Bible, it's metaphorical. It's symbolic as well. Now, Paul was physically blind, but for us, the message is for us to understand that sometimes God won't allow you or me or a person we love, and this was certainly true of me and my faith journey in the past. I just couldn't see what was happening because God wouldn't allow it because he was trying to get my attention. To quote C.S. Lewis, Michael's favorite writer, great writer, God whispers to us in good times, but he shouts to us in, in our pain because sometimes that's the only way we'll hear him. So Saul, so determined and stubborn, had to go through a blindness and the reason was God. So for someone you love, Perhaps the reason they can't see what's going on is that God is trying to get their attention. Amen? Here's the fourth most common one. And again, this might surprise you a little, but it's prayer. And this is from Acts 13 I'm going to look at. And, you know, some people call this a curse, but I don't think it is. It's a prayer that we can pray as Christians sometimes and a lot of people don't kind of like it, but it's part of God's economy. And this is Acts 13. And the great apostle Paul had gone to the island of Cyprus to preach the gospel. Great things started happening there. And as he was there, the governor of the island of Cyprus, and the Bible tells us he was a very intelligent, wise man, he asked Paul into his palace to explain about Christianity. And during that conversation, something happened. Let's pick it up. As Paul was explaining about Christianity to the governor of Cyprus, a man called Elimas, one of the governor's attendants, kept on opposing Paul and twisting his words. And then Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked him in the eye, and declared, you child of the devil, full of deceit and trickery, will you never stop perverting the word of God? Now the hand of the Lord is against you, and you will be blind for a season. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he could not see. And when the governor saw this, and because of the word shared, he believed in the Lord. If you look throughout the Bible, you can see this theme is actually over and over again takes place. Anytime there was an attack by an enemy army, sometimes the prophets or the kings of Israel, in order to protect the children of Israel, would pray confusion upon the enemy army. And what would happen? the enemy army would start attacking each other rather than the children of Israel. And this is a similar type prayer, that when someone is really opposing something important in God's economy, in God's work, 
There is a place in prayer where you as a believer can pray that God would stop the hand of someone who is trying to do wrong. Would anyone say amen to that? We don't want anyone to be hurt. We're not out to throw a curse. That's not what I'm talking about. But sometimes we just have to say, this, this person or this organization is just wrong. There's something evil here. And I pray confusion into the camp of the enemy. Now, if you're praying for loads of money, this doesn't work, okay? If you're praying that your boss just gives you loads of money, we're not talking about just selfishness here. We're talking about important things particularly spiritual. This man, the governor of Cyprus, if you read the background history, had a total transformation in his life. And because of his influence, the whole island of Cyprus was deeply impacted by his personal testimony of how Jesus changed his life. And that's not just something for a few years. This has implications for eternity. Because if we love God and follow him, if we are born again, what did Jesus say? Unless you were born again, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So this has eternal consequences for people we care about. And so Paul prayed to stop the man Blindness came upon him or confusion and he was made ineffective. Sometimes we need to pray that way. The kingdom of God advances forcefully, Matthew tells us, and forceful people advance it. Forceful men, forceful women advance it. We think of prayer as something that's just, some, we have this image of it. Prayer is a weak thing. Prayer is powerful. Prayer changes lives. Prayer tears down strongholds. Prayer can take over the ground that the enemy has tried to rob in your life and in mine. And so we have to have as part of our prayer this more forceful attitude. Now, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and powers. Again, it's opening our eyes to what's really happening. What's really happening? So we fight against the spiritual power that is against us, that is against our marriages, that is against our children, that is against our health, that is against our future, that is against the gospel message. All you got to do is walk down the street and you will see loads of contrary messages trying to pull people away from having a faith in Jesus today. We fight that in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And we stop that because God's word is true. You know, there are so many people with arguments today who will come and argue with you about why you shouldn't be a Christian, why you shouldn't have faith. But no argument can ever stand up against a real experience. Your experience of God healing you, of God touching you, of God changing your life will always trump over any argument. Hallelujah. Because God is well able, well able. So Paul prayed for blindness for a season. The man wasn't blind forever, but he silenced him when he was trying. And if you read into it, this guy was actually a sorcerer. He was into uh, witchcraft, and he was trying to stop the gospel. So in my experience, sometimes a blindness in somebody's life is because a Christian has prayed. Usually, almost always, in fact always in my experience, against someone who doesn't believe, who's trying to oppose what God is doing. 
Number three, others. Sometimes others creep in. Here's the horror story. Sometimes this happens to Christians. There was a, a guy came to Cork a number of years ago, I don't know, about six years ago, five years ago, something like that. Wham! Huge pizzazz. And he came and some very good people, really decent good people, followed his message. A lot of us around the city and all the different churches were very wary because we could see he was a gangster. He was twisting God's word. But some people followed him. And for a while it was like this was the new thing. But in the European country he came from, the police went after him because this guy was just breaking laws. He was a gangster and manipulating decent people. And when he fled from there just a couple of weeks ago, he went to America. And guess what happened there? He's now arrested there. But for years, and perhaps some still are, because he's claiming he's a victim, he's a servant of the Lord, and the persecution is against him. But actually, he's just a crook. He's a crook. And he has led some people who love the Lord blindly into a cul-de-sac at best or a big pit at worst. And Jesus warned us about this within religious or spiritual circles. Speaking about the Pharisees, we're told in Matthew 15, Jesus said the teaching of the Pharisees are just the rules of men. Avoid them as they are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both of them will fall into the pit. So sometimes, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, if we follow someone who really doesn't know what they're doing, but they maybe they have a bit of pizzazz or maybe they've got some technique, just be careful. The Pharisees here, were very religious. If a Pharisee came into the room here, you automatically and me in our nature would feel inferior to them because they carried an air of authority about them and they were full of judgment. They would, they would look you up and down. They would look you up and down. If there was anything out of sort, they'd pick out in it. They could hone in. They were like a Geiger counter. They could pick up the slightest thing. And they made people feel uncomfortable. And the Jews were afraid of them. And they were so legalistic. But Jesus said they were blind leading the blind. So we can even in Christian circles see people who will just lead people astray. And we can see it all the time. In among those who don't believe as well. So this, in my experience, is probably number three. It's a lot more common than the other two. So I'm now just past halfway, and I've got two more to go, and both of these are really common, and I want to pray for the next two when we come to a close of the word today in about ten minutes. So here's my number two. This is quite common, and I'm sure... Anyone who's read the Bible or has walked with God probably won't be too surprised at this one, but it's a huge one, particularly for those that we love who don't know the Lord, and that is Satan. I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians 4 in a moment, but I find in our culture here in Ireland and in Cork today, I always have to explain, just in a sentence or two, why we believe there is an entity called Satan or the devil. 
usually people who are new here, and maybe there's someone here today like this, just internally you're going, oh my goodness me, what a bunch of nutcases they believe in something called Satan or the devil. Well, let me call out a few words to you. Adolf Hitler in Germany. Pol Pot in Cambodia. Father Brendan Smith in Ireland, who destroyed, destroyed the lives of hundreds of children, who was so clearly ruled by some demonic force that he had to interfere with children. Can you honestly say there is no evil? Can you honestly say there is no power of evil? When you see evil people destroy others, of course there is evil. And the Bible, which is around a lot longer than you and me, and it has been there for thousands of years, trusted by many generations, gives us the explanation that the power behind the evil is someone called Satan. So evil is real, and the devil or Satan in Scripture is real. And I don't want to be coming heavy on anyone, but this is a real thing. And the thing is, there is a way out, because Satan has been defeated by Jesus. Would anyone say amen? He's been defeated, but he will still try with his tricks. And in my experience, a lot of people just can't see what's going on. And maybe this is for someone you love somebody you care about if you do know the Lord. Because we're told in 2 Corinthians 4, the evil one, Satan, has tried to blind the minds of unbelievers to stop them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Jesus Christ. His avowed aim is to stop people from seeing the light, to keep people in darkness. I think everyone here has someone we care about in our families or among our friends or maybe someone we really get on with at work or in school and we know there's a blindness going on there. The Bible teaches you and me that very often the one behind that blindness is the enemy. But look at the very important word there. He tries. He tries. What will overcome that? The prayers of the saints. Hallelujah. Who are the saints? Can't hear you. A lot of religion will say saints are dead people and they have a statue. But biblically, the saints are those who follow God, who love the Lord, who are alive. Yeah, there are saints who are dead as well. But it's those of us who are alive. Hallelujah. The chances are if you're here on a bank holiday Sunday, you're a saint. Hallelujah. If you ever heard that old song, Oh, when the saints go marching in, Oh, when the saints go marching in, I want to be in that number. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Jenny Haffey, you're really depressed, aren't you? The saints marching in, they sing that at funerals in the Afro-American churches uh, in America, particularly in the South, because someone who died, there wasn't the same grieving that you tend to see here, because here, so often, in, in our culture, in, in our religious background, when someone dies, it's like, that's it, 
Don't know where they're going to go. They've gone to limbo, gone to purgatory. Where, where are they? Is there life after death? But those who believe knew that the person, if they love God, they were a saint. And they were marching into heaven right now. Hallelujah. What a different attitude. What a different outlook. What a different funeral. What kind of funeral would you like to be at? A funeral with no hope? Or a funeral where you know the person who's passed away is now gone to be with the Lord. They're marching into heaven. Oh, well, you can't be certain. Yes, you can. Hallelujah. Yes, you can. And that's not just me. Check it out in the Bible. It's all over it. We can be certain that we can go to heaven. The saints will march in. The evil one will try and blind the minds of unbelievers. So in a moment, we're going to pray. If you love someone, if you care about someone, and they just can't see it, let's pray that the evil one will not succeed. Amen? Let's pray that their eyes will not be blinded from the wonderful, liberating gospel of Jesus Christ that gives such hope, that changes life. The Bible tells us, and we've seen it throughout history, it changes the world. It turns the world upside down. So this is the number two thing. It's very common. And now the most common reason why, particularly Christians, this is a real one for us, for those of us who love the Lord. What's the number one that causes you, me, you and me to be blind? Ain't that the truth? What's the main reason for trouble in your life or mine? If you think it's always other people, there's really something wrong. Because so much of the trouble we have in our lives, we bring on ourselves. And very often, the reason that we can't see what's going on is because we lack. Now, I'm not here beating anyone up. I've been here many times. But let's admit it, and let's be honest with God and with ourselves, that sometimes we can't see what's going on spiritually because we just don't see it. But that's okay because we can pray and God will open our eyes to it. Hallelujah. So this is the final one. We're going to pray this in a few minutes as well. But in 2 Kings chapter 6, this number one to me is so common. It's always happening. And here we read about the great prophet Elisha. And he had his servant with him. And the children of Israel were surrounded by the army of the enemy. Now, that might sound, you know, interesting. But the army of the enemy wanted to kill everyone. They would rape the women. They would cut the babies in two. They would kill the men. They would burn everything. So this was life and death. And the enemy was surrounding them. And Elisha was calm, but his servant, his loyal and faithful servant, was panicking. Let's pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 6. When Elisha's servant got up next morning, he saw how the enemy army, with horses and chariots, had surrounded the city. Oh Lord, what will we do now, he said. Elisha said to him, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, open his eyes that he might see. 
Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. He could only see the physical horses and chariots, but when Elisha prayed that the Lord would open his eyes, he saw the spiritual horses and chariots. He saw the chariots of fire. There's a great movie that was out in the 80s called Chariots of Fire. Anyone here ever see it? Fabulous movie about a Christian Scottish guy and how he put God first in his life. It was big in the cinemas back then. But the chariots of fire were the spiritual working, outworking. So the servant began to see there's way more here than meets the eye. It is not just the physical army, but the armies of God are here. How about you when you're in trouble at work? Or you're in a doctor's surgery and you're concerned. How about you when something to do with a friendship or a marriage or a child or, or a relationship is really going strange? Do you just see that situation? Or do you open your eyes and see something bigger going on? That's what this is about. We're going to pray in just a moment for those here who need to have prayer just to open their eyes. Many times I've needed this because I've looked at the natural and I've forgotten there's a whole spiritual reality as well. You know, Elisha said, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, this is what we read in Romans 8:31. If God is for us, let's try that again. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God isn't on your side, he can be on your side. He's only a prayer away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If God is for us, who can be against us? Can any doctor or banker or employer or other woman or other man or addiction or depression, can anything be against us if God is for us? Hallelujah. No, it can't. That is my experience. That is what the Bible says. We can overcome all of these things. Let me give one more quote and then just one last verse. Blaise Pascal was a famous, a famous French philosopher, brilliant mind, brilliant insight. And he wrote, with faith, there is enough light for those who want to believe and enough shadows to blind those who choose not to believe. This guy was a polymath mathematician, a physicist, an inventor, a scientist, and a theologian. He had a very great faith. And this is so true. Because right now, for some of us, we are going to decide. Because there's enough light shining in your heart and in your mind. Not from me. Forget about me. I'm just a man, a weak man. But from God's word, the Bible. Shining in here. And it, you can choose. Am I going to believe this to take my first step of faith in following the Lord and believing in him? Am I going to do this to pray that I will go deeper spiritually? Or will I just choose the shadows? Right now they look like shadows. And I just reject it. The choice is yours. It always is. As it is always mine. But this is true. This is true about faith. Let me use one last scripture from Ephesians Chapter 1 and verse 18. I tweeted this and put it out on Instagram and Facebook during the week if you follow. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, 
and let the light of your truth flood in. Hallelujah. Open the eyes of our hearts. So that's our prayer, brothers and sisters. That's our prayer. Can we open our eyes? Can we go from having closed eyes and literally see them begin to open? That's what we're going to pray for right now. So the guys are going to play us a beautiful song called Broken Vessels, uh, Amazing Grace from uh, Hillsong, that great worship movement out of Australia. And I love where it says, I can see you now. So I'm going to invite you. Do you want to pray for someone you love who maybe is blinded? Do you want to pray for yourself that you will fully see what's going on in your life? This is bread and butter. This is basic foundation stuff for every Christian. It's vital. It's what separates us from those who don't believe. Or maybe, just maybe, you want to take the first step today and believe in the Lord. Can we all stand? And for the final few minutes, we're going to sing this and just have a talk with God as we sing and see if you want to pray because we give it the opportunity. Roll. Of all these pieces broken and scattered Mercy gathered bending and whole Empty-handed but now forsaken I've been set free I've been set free Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found, was blind, but now I see, oh I can see you now. see the love in their eyes laying yourself down raising up the broken to life so the guys are just going to sing that again can I ask you if you want to pray for someone you love would you lift up your hands that God would open the eyes of the person you care about See hands up all over. Just keep your hands up. If you want to pray that God would open your eyes in whatever situation you're in, and this is every Christian has needed this at a different time, but maybe it's for you right now. Would you lift up your hand or lift up the other hand if you're praying for both? Okay, and I'm just going to put it out there. Maybe you want to pray for yourself to take the first step to follow the God who you can trust. We're going to give you an opportunity in a moment. If you've put up your hand with either of those, I'm going to invite you up to the top as the guys sing this again. And we're going to pray this and give it over to God. Give the person and the situation over to the Lord as we pray. Let's sing it again as we leave our seats. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, the save the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. 
someone you love someone you care about and you can identify with that they're just not seeing it we're going to pray a breakthrough from heaven into their lives right now if that's someone you care about would you lift up your right hand and symbolically in your right hand just give that person over to the Lord maybe it's more than one in the name of Jesus of Nazareth you know who they are you know who he is who she is and we whisper their names in your ear right now, O oh God. And we pray, O oh Lord, move in power and stop the enemy from blinding their souls. Who'll say amen? Amen. God, as we whisper their name now, just tell God their name. You've heard their name, Lord. You see our hearts. We pray now, Lord, that the enemy would be brought into confusion. Whatever plans he has for their lives whatever temporary pleasure whatever tintillating temptation whatever confusion is going on in their heads we pray would go on the enemy and we pray you would open their eyes and they would be like that ancient hymn writer i once was blind but now i see we pray that into their lives now in the name of jesus we storm heaven and we pray oh god set these people free in Jesus name and God's people said and for those of us who want to open our own eyes in our situation can we lift up both our hands to heaven God into the problem we may be facing into the conundrum into the lack of whatever's going on in our lives lord we don't want to be like someone who walks through a crime scene not seeing anything i pray oh god now that our eyes would be open we pray like elisha prayed father i pray now would you open the eyes of my brothers of my sisters and that they would see the chariots of fire that are in their lives operating now who'll say amen, amen. I pray, O oh God, that we would not just see the problem, but we would see you. We would see your angels. We would see the way of escape. We would see a future that is blood-stained with the blood of Calvary. I pray, O oh God, that each one who is praying now with their hands lifted high, that each one would become more spiritual. Each one would become deeper in the things of God and in your words, and that each one would see what's going on in their relationships, in their work, in their study, with their health, with their battles. Help us to see that if God is for us, who can be against us? Lord, would you instill courage and great hope and faith into the lives and hearts of everyone here and help us to see there is a way out of this and we want to see that way by opening our eyes we pray in jesus name amen
And just one more prayer. I don't feel the liberty to call anyone to put up a hand. But I'm just going to say to those, maybe you're new here. And maybe you've never trusted in Jesus. Can I say to you now, we're going to pray a prayer together. And maybe in your heart, you'll be able to pray with us. It's called the sinner's prayer. And I know it's for a few people here. Just pray in your heart with us. And it's just asking God to forgive and that you're willing to start an adventure with him. Could we all in solidarity pray this together? If you could repeat after me, Lord Jesus Christ, I invite you into my life. I want you to be my leader, my savior, my friend. Forgive me my sin. I turn from it now. And I want to follow you all the days of my life in Jesus name Amen praise God if you're here for the first time or if this is new and you prayed something like that this is the start of the rest of your life with God hallelujah praise God can we give a round of applause to everyone who had the courage to come up hallelujah Roll and the band are going to play us out. Thank you so much for coming. We're serving coffee just to your left down the stairs. God bless you and hope we see you next week. Over to Roll and the band.